You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. What's up, church? How y'all doing? Hey, so let me say this before we get started. I know it's a little warm in here. Um, The school is aware that the AC is not working in this area. So hopefully, prayerfully, next week, it'll be back to being cold because that's usually the complaint that it's too cold in here. It is not the complaint today. However, the Spirit's still going to do what the Spirit does. Amen? We're going to continue on in our psalm series, and we're really going to hit the last three psalms together. So we're going to look at 148, 149, and 150. We're going to see that the psalmist here says, praise the Lord, or praise Him, 25 times in these three Psalms, which means that it's really important for us to understand that we are to praise the Lord and why we are to praise the Lord. It's, it's interesting that the, the book of Psalms in Psalm 1, it starts with the Word of God, and that's how we started this series. And the psalmist says to delight in the law of God and to meditate on the word day and night, so pretty much all the time. Right? To always meditate on the Word of God. And then we end with worship. So what this tells me is that as the church, as the body of Christ, we are to glorify Him in word and in worship. That we are to glorify Him in Scripture and in song. That that's what it's all about. It's all about the Word of God and it's all about how we respond to who He is and what He's done in worship. So let's jump in. Psalm 148 says this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the, he- <clears throat> from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. Exclamation points everywhere. This is not a suggestion for us. This is a command to praise the Lord. And honestly, here's the truth, man. We are all wired to worship. We're all wired to, to set our heart's affection on something. Like that is just a natural normative response for us. Is that there, there's things that we think are worth it that we, we actually set our heart's affection on and we begin to somehow worship these things. Now, it's not always bad to think that somebody or that something's worth it. right? I don't want you to think that. I tell my, my eight-year-old every single night, I love you, good night, you are worth it. Because she is worth it to me. And more importantly, she's worth it to God. So there are people that we, we're going to be more affectionate toward. There are things that we're going to be more affectionate toward. But here's the truth. The one thing that drives all of our affection should be Jesus. And if it's not, something is wrong in our life. Our priorities have somehow got out of order. Something is going on when someone or something else is elevated to a higher level than Jesus. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, man, I feel like there's a lot of stuff elevated higher than Jesus. And this is what I want you to know. I'm right there with you. That as human beings, it is very easy for us to begin to elevate so many things and so many people above Jesus. But we're all wired to worship. 
So what is it to worship God? I want to give you four things really quickly all at one time. It is to set our heart's affection on Him. It is to set our mind's attention, our body's position, and our soul's desperation. That's what it means to worship. It is to, to set our affection on Him. That He is the one thing that drives everything within us. That there's nothing we're more affectionate about than Jesus. Are you there? Is that where you are in life? Is setting our minds attention again, see Psalm 1. It is understanding that our mind should be wrapped in the Word of God. That we should be focused on Him. It's our body's position. We're actually going to see in Psalm 149 where it says to sing, where it says to dance. And I know that's tough for Southern Baptists, but man, I'm telling you that the Bible says it. It says to, to dance. And then it's our soul's desperation. And you can see Psalm 42, or you can go back and watch the message from last week where the psalmist is crying out with a desperation in their soul. Because we're all desperate for something. And the only one that can fill the hole is Jesus. He is the only one. Moses tells the people of Israel this in Deuteronomy 6. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is, this is the Shema. This is what it's called. And what Moses is saying, not that, not that the Lord should be the first thing on your list, it's that the, the Lord, He is God, He is one, meaning that He should be the paper in which you write your list on. That it is all about Him. That it always has been and it always will be. It is about Him. And then He says, this should be your response, is that you love Him with all, with everything that you are. It is a full body experience to worship Jesus. It's not just coming in here on Sunday mornings and singing some songs and sitting through a quick message. Some of you are like, well, it ain't always quick. Like, you know what I mean. Sitting in this service for an hour, an hour and ten minutes and thinking, man, I am worshiping God with all that I am. We're going to see that, man, this is just a part of what it means to worship Jesus. That it should be with all, with everything that we are. It should be our natural and normative response. We should want to worship Him because He is worthy to be worshipped. In other words, we look at Him and we say, You are worth it. You are worth it. You are worth me getting up on a Sunday morning and coming to church. You are worth me spending some time in Your Word. You are worth me living a lifestyle of worship. Why is He worth it? Because He created you to do it. And because when we jacked it up, He still sent Jesus on a rescue mission for us. Is that even when we were still sinners, He sent Jesus to take our place and our punishment on a cross. He is worth it. He is worth all of the worship and all of the praise. Verse 2 says, praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. This is what He's saying. He's pretty much saying everything created is worshiping Him. 
It is to give him glory. That is what the psalmist is saying. And if, if you flip to the end of the book, Revelation. Now, I do want to teach you something here. It's not Revelations with an S. There was only one. It's a Revelation with no S, okay? So that's just, that's free for you. But we see that there's angels worshiping right now. This isn't some future version happening right now in heaven. There are angels worshiping God right now. There are elders who are laying down their crowns and worshiping God right now. There's these freaky looking animals that are up there with like bear and lion bodies and a human face with eyes everywhere worshiping God. That is happening right now. And the elders, as they lay their crowns down, they are singing the, the forever song of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's the forever worship song that's going on right now. And guess what happens? We are invited into that worship. We are invited as part of creation to worship along with the rest of creation. When Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray and he says, on earth as it is in heaven, this is what it means when it comes to worship is that we worship on earth like they are in heaven, where they are constantly singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is that your lifestyle? Are you living a life of worship? Verse 6, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. This is really what the psalmist is saying. He's going old school here that he's got the whole world in his hand. That he is in charge of it all. Guess what? The enemy can't take anything away from him. And guess who else can't? You can't. And I can't. No one can. He's got it all in his hands. And he is all powerful. And he is all knowing. And he is ever present. And he is who he says he is. He's good. And he's so good. And we worship. We praise him. We praise the Lord because he's got the whole world in his hands. Just praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. That's what he's saying, that all these things are praising Him. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that if you, if you see a bird fly, and I don't know if I mentioned this part, but I'm afraid of birds. I probably did mention that. If I didn't, now you know that I, I'm just not a fan of birds at all. Um, Alfred Hitchcock, like, he scared me to death with his movie, The Birds, and they were breaking in, like, through anything you could put up. So I'm just afraid of birds. And they, my family does make fun of me, and that's okay because they love me. I don't think they would make fun of me if they didn't love me. But we went to the beach this summer, and we were sitting outside because I don't know why that they wanted to do that to eat. Because one, it's hot, and I'm not in shape, not very skinny, so being outside is, is not fun for me, right? I sweat a lot, and we're sitting down outside eating, and man, there's birds everywhere. Like, they're comfortable birds. I don't know if you know what comfortable birds are, but comfortable birds are birds that are comfortable around people. And these birds were very comfortable around people, man. And they were swooping down at our table. And they were like taking food. And I'm just, man, I'm going all over the place. 
And Ashley's like, calm down, Dustin. It's not that big a deal. And I'm freaking out, man. Like, you, I, am, I am the biggest sissy in the world when it comes to birds. And anybody that knows that about me, if we're playing golf and there's, there's geese or something on the course, they will drive the golf cart as close to that bird as they can. And they're like, hey, come here, geesey geese. I'm like, dude, that's not how you call a goose anyway, but whatever. Um, what the psalmist is saying here is that, man, everything created was created to give him glory. It was created to worship him. And we, as humans, are the only created thing that refuse to do what he has created us to do. We were created to bring him and to give him glory. We were created to worship, and we are the one and only thing in creation that refuses to do that because we say, hey man, I don't need you, I got this. You're not that important. Like, I'm more important than you. And what happens is we allow stuff and status and power to, to overwhelm us, and we begin to build up a kingdom, and we build up a throne, and we begin to sit on the throne of our life. And God, in His love, man, He loves us too much to leave us there. Because He will push us off of that throne and say, hey, that's mine. That's my throne. And either we allow him to do that here, or he will reign supreme after you're long gone from here, and it's not going to be a good experience for you if you don't have a relationship with him now. Are you sitting on the throne of your own life? Are you sitting on the throne of your own life? God, he's a jealous God. And maybe that's weird for some of you, but I, I want to kind of explain this this way, that he, he's not jealous of you. He's not looking down and being like, man, I, I really wish I had that house Dustin lived in. I really wish I had those boots off Amazon that cost like $40. Like, those are pretty cool. No, he's not, he's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. Because he knows that no one else can fully and finally satisfy you but him. He knows that there's no salvation apart from Him. Let me break it down this way. Husbands, let's say you get home today and there's a guy sitting in your house. He's sitting in your favorite chair, your favorite spot. And you walk in and you're like, what's up, bro? Like, what you doing? He's like, well, you haven't been the greatest husband to your wife and you really haven't been a very good father and I think I could do better, so I'm going to take your place doing this. Now, I can tell you what would happen at my house First, I'd be like, good luck, bro. But then after that, I'd probably be on the news because it just wouldn't end well. And let's flip that around, ladies. Let's say that you get home and there's this woman sitting in your favorite seat, in your vanity, wherever, you, that she's using your makeup, everything, right? And you get there and you're like, hey, who are you? Like, well, I, you yell at your kids too much. You're just not really being a good mom. I got some, some really good, encouraging books I want to read your kids. And your husband, man, you just yell at him all the time and you nag. So I'm going to take that spot too. You would scratch her eyeballs out. That's just, that's how we are. But because they think they can do better than us, but we know they can't. That's, God is a jealous God because everything that we try to do to, to satisfy ourselves 
everything we try to grab from this world, all the, the kingdom that we try to build up for ourselves, God knows that it will do nothing for us and it will perish and it will lead to destruction and death. And he says, hey, I am what you need. And he's a jealous God. Not jealous of you, but jealous for you. So what does worshiping him look like for you? We all have gifts. We all have abilities. God is giving us something to do in life. What does it look like for you? What is your life of worship? Look, do you worship at work? Do you, do you understand that you are in the position you are in because of him to start with? Do you understand that there are people around you that are around you because of his, his sovereign plan? Are you worshiping him with your life? Verse 11, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. This is what I want you to know from here. That worship is for all imperfect people. And it is declaring you are worthy. That worship is for all people. And we are all imperfect people. It's for us. And what it is, is just declaring, God, you are worth it. Is he worth it to you? I'm going to ask this again. Don't answer me right now. But I think this is an important question. Is he worth it to you? Not is he worth coming to church on Sunday. Is he worth giving your all? Does he have all of you? Are you responding to all that he is with all that you are? Or are you just giving him a little bit here and a little bit there? If you have some time left over, maybe you give it to him. If you have some, some money left over, maybe you give it to him. If you, if you have some, some talent left over, maybe you give it to him. Does he have all, or is he just getting whatever's left over in your life? Is he worthy of your song, of your service, of your money, of your life? Is he worthy of that? He loved you. And He demonstrated that love for you by sending Jesus on a rescue mission. How are you demonstrating your love to Him? The natural response to God, the natural response to Him should be that man, we, we say, here I, here I am. Send me Use me. Do whatever you want with me. That should be the natural response. Because He has done everything necessary for salvation. And not only salvation, but He says, I came to give you life and give you life to the fullest. I came to give you the abundant life. And our natural response should be, praise the Lord. Is that your response? Psalm 149 starts this way. Believe it or not, says, praise the Lord. Exclamation point. Another command. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the godly. Now, 
We talked about what it meant to sing a new song a few weeks ago, but I'll give you a quick, quick recap on that. It's, it doesn't mean like new words and a, a brand new song that you have to write. What this was was a victory chant for the people of Israel. And they would, they would say this chant before they went to battle, believing that God would give them the victory. They would go to battle, they would get the victory, and then they would come back and they would sing it in a new way because they had just experienced the victory. And I have some good news for you. Post-resurrection is we won. Like, the victory is ours through Jesus. So we sing a new song from that place of victory. It is finished. The debt has been paid. God has done everything necessary for us. Do you believe it? Amen. God has done everything necessary for our salvation. That's the new song. Then he says, in the assembly of the godly. Now, we're not godly apart from him, but we know, and we, we've been teaching this for three and a half years, that we are godly because of who he is. That as believers in him, his righteousness was given to us, and then when God looks down on us, he sees the blood and the holiness and the righteousness of Jesus. He doesn't see our dirtiness and all the stuff that we mess up. So he's talking about us, and he says, in the assembly of the God. Hebrews will tell us to not give up on meeting together. That this is important. That this is a big deal. That coming together with, with other believers is, is a big, big deal. See, this thing we do together is not just a, a song and dance. It's not just karaoke hour. It's not just a check-the-box type of activity that we do. No, this is something supernatural. This is the, the Spirit it inhabits the praises of His people. That the Spirit moves in this place. That people can be healed. That chains of addiction can be broken. That marriages can be restored. That prodigal sons can return home. And the only eternal miracle we see happen in this room when we meet together is that God brings people from death to life. That salvation takes place. This is a big deal. Meeting together isn't just a check-the-box thing that we do. It's a, it's a thing that we do where we come together and believe that God is going to do what only God can do. Just let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. I see two things here. It says, be glad and full of joy. And when we see Israel here, I want you to understand something. That in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, we see that as believers, that we are, we become God's people. So when it says this, let Israel be glad, it's talking about us in this moment as believers in him. And it says believers should be glad and they should be full of joy. Have you met Christians before in your life? Let's think about this. If you ask a non-Christian, hey, what, what are two words you would use to describe the Christians that you know? It probably would not be glad and joyful. It's probably not the two words they're going to use. Now, I do, I, I want to be very clear here that you don't have to fake it. 
that you don't have to fake it here, that we come here as real as we can be, that we're authentic, that we're transparent, and there's no, there's no church fakeness going on at Impact. That we come here as real, imperfect people taking steps of faith together. Like, that's who we are. And you don't have to fake it. You're going to go through times where you're not happy. You're going to go through times where you're just, you're not feeling it. You're in those seasons. Life just isn't that great. But the general disposition of the believer should be gladness and full of joy. Gladness and full of joy. See, joy is rooted in Jesus. Happiness is based in happenings and happenstance. So we don't always have to be happy, but we can be full of the joy that we find in Him. And we can be joyful because the King of the universe, He's our Father. He's our Dad. He is a good, good Father. That's just who He is. And we can have joy because of that. Let them praise His name with dancing. Making melody to Him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. We talked about this too a few weeks ago. That it's okay to dance. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to worship and move your body around. Let me tell you what's not dancing. This isn't dancing. Now, maybe high school prom back in the day, like that, maybe that was dancing a little bit, but this isn't dancing, man. That's, that's, not, that's not how you get excited. And sometimes I want you to know if you're, if you're new with us that we believe in worshiping Him with everything that we are. But we also believe in doing it in an orderly fashion. And that order matters because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul tells us that our worship gathering should be orderly and respectful, and reverent. Man, it's, it's okay to, to get excited. Just for the Lord takes pleasure in His people, He adorns the humble with salvation. You know, Do you know what you need for salvation? Need. That's it. That's what, that's what we need. It's just a, a, a need of something. We realize that we can't do for ourselves what needs to be done, so we need someone to do that for us, and that someone... Is Jesus. And worship is really just a, a humility type of declaration that we need you. That's what it is. It's us declaring to him that we need him. That there is a throne and that we're not sitting on it. He is. And we need him to do what only he can do. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy in their beds. And what this is what this is saying is, this, is this affecting you at home? Or is this all you have this Sunday morning? Are you taking this all the way to your bedroom, all the way to your house, to your work, to everywhere? Is this affecting you outside of Sunday morning? Let the high praises of God be in their throats. It gets a little weird here. I'm just going to, I'm warning you here. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. So the psalmist is like, we're exalting him till we're executing. It get, it's a little, this is what it means. It means worship isn't only about singing songs in here. It's about fighting for justice out there. 
that it's not just about being a, a, a group of people inside these walls, that it's about fighting for justice in our city and in our world. I do want to say this, that biblical justice doesn't have an adjective in front of it. It's just justice. Justice is justice. And that showing up to church and treating people like objects is not okay. Is that we fight for people from womb to tomb. That we care about people because they're image bearers of the Most High God. And that if we want to live a life of worship, then it's, it doesn't stop in here. That we, we do two things for justice. One is gospel declaration, and the other is gospel demonstration. And you need both. You can't do one or the other. Because you can't, you can't declare the gospel to people over and over and over and then you, do, you don't demonstrate it at all because it does nothing for them. Because then guess what? All they see is a hypocrite that's just telling them over and over what to do, and you, you have no love for them. But also, it doesn't help if you just demonstrate it because you can love people and you can care about people, but if they don't know the truth of the gospel, then eternally it doesn't help them. So what we do here at Impact Church is we declare the gospel, the truth, of who God is and what He's done for us. And then we go out and we demonstrate the gospel by loving people the way that He's called us to love them. We're going to close with Psalm 150. And it starts in a similar way. Praise the Lord, man. Praise the Lord. Exclamation point. It's a command. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Again, we are invited into what is happening in heaven right now. Have you ever been invited somewhere that you didn't really belong? Anybody ever been there? You get there and you're like, oh wow, I don't think I belong here. I don't really know why they invited me here. So that happens to me sometimes. And it happens sometimes when I'm invited to some meetings at work and I walk in and I'm looking and I'm like, bro, I'm not in the right place. Like these people... I don't even understand while I'm here, so I just kind of sit there in the corner because I don't belong. I'm not saying anything. I know that's hard to believe, but I'm not opening my mouth in this meeting. I'm just listening halfway, kind of, and I'm just there. Like, man, I don't think they meant to send me this invite. And that's what's happening. We're invited right now to participate in what is happening in heaven. And guess what? We don't belong there except for one reason. The man on the middle cross said we could come. The only reason we're invited to participate in this is because Jesus said we could. Because when we put our faith and our trust in Him, we become a part of the family of God. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him, some of you, not that pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. And all the psalmist is doing here, I think, is he's just, this is what they had to use to, to worship and to praise back then. Again, style doesn't really matter to him. He's not up in heaven thinking, man, I wish they would sing these old English hymns 
or I wish they would sing more of a contemporary song. No, he's not looking for a specific song. We see in John chapter 4 that he's looking for worshipers, that he's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Is that you? For the last 10 weeks, we've been talking about worship what it means to worship, what it looks like to worship, why we worship, because He is worth it. He is worth it. And verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150 can be summed up like this. Where? In the sanctuaries and in the skies. Why? Because of who he is and what he's done. How? With different instruments. Who? Everybody with breath. That's you. That's me. Everybody with breath. No matter what season you find yourself in, the condition of your heart, or the circumstances of your life, it is always the right time to praise the Lord because he is worthy of your worship. And may we join with all of creation to make much of our King. And you have the opportunity to join in with all of creation to make much of King Jesus. We do that at the end of every service when we stand together and we sing. And we say that we sing because He's worthy to be praised. And it's not just something that we say, it's something that we mean. It's the truth that He's worthy of it all. And we pray because we need Him. He is worthy of it all. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.